Robins at the Gate with Sky Sports and Five Lives Michelle Owen. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Get £20 in free bets when you join today and bet £10 on any sport. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. New customers only. Minimum first bet of £10 at odds of evens or greater from a UK debit card. For £5 free bets valid for seven days. Full terms at mansionbet.com. 18 plus. Be gamble aware. Hello and welcome along to Robins at the Gate with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor from Bristol Live, bringing you all the latest from Bristol City, what we've seen at the games, what we've seen behind the scenes and what's been happening this week. We'll look back on that emphatic win against Birmingham, which proved to be the final straw for their manager, Aita Karanka. He was sacked after the game on Sunday. We'll talk about Casey Palmer, best week of his life, according to him. And by all accounts, it was a very good week. Uh, also, the impact of the returning players. Callum O'Dowd was back. Liam Walsh and Marley Watkins all featuring a clean sheet. Nigel Pearson's contract. We had a poll running on our Twitter. We'll bring you the results of that. Injury updates as well. And looking ahead to Blackburn and Rotherham and the ex-Bristol City manager winning some silverware too. So, Gregor, welcome along. Great win at the weekend against Birmingham. Um, I think we were fairly confident of going there and getting a result, but three goals and a clean sheet, it's... Um, Pretty emphatic. Your view is slightly obstructed, but did you see what you needed to? Yeah, yeah, I did. It's it's difficult from the press box there at St mm. Andrews. You're all bunched in together. Uh, the roof comes down above you. It's almost it's obstructed view as well. Then I also had Caliph Cisse sat just in front of me on the stairs there, as well as um, some of the official media teams. So yeah, it wasn't the best view I had there, and uh, <laughs> actually didn't. I wasn't able to see Casey Palmer's celebration. Actually, somebody. Somebody was saying to me after the game about how he'd done the traditional Bebeto baby celebration. And I, I wasn't able to confirm that because I couldn't see over in one, one corner. So, uh, but, but yeah, I did obviously see most of the match. And yeah, hey, it was uh, their biggest win at St Andrews for 31 years. So, so that's saying something. And, and the, they were worthy winners. And it was definitely one of the best away performances this, of, of the season, without doubt probably up there alongside Stoke and obviously they got the great result at, at Middlesbrough and Swansea last time out but this was probably just the, the all-conquering uh, domination of the of the home side because they actually had good chances in the first half they could have put, probably been a bit more clinical yeah well yeah Birmingham hit the post twice didn't twice, they and, yeah. but, but, uh, but but Bristol City could have could have got a bit more I think from the game yeah, they could have. I, th- I think because they just rode their luck ever so slightly with those those chances. But sometimes when you know it's your day, you know it's your day, don't you? Like like you said, they they were impressive throughout. And Nigel Pearson is getting a tune out of quite a few players now. Just looking at the stats for the game, um, Bristol City had nine shots, four on target. E- even though it's only four on target, um, it's it's that being clinical. That's what it's about. I mean, Antoine Semenyo's goal was made from sheer tenacity, but. Um, Casey Palmer, let's talk about him for a second. Um, his partner, Shannon, had uh, their new baby boy, Zane Rommel. It was on social media. Big congratulations to both of them. No sleep deprivation, though, for Casey Palmer. He looks as light on his feet as ever, and he's playing really well, isn't he? He is. I mean, this spell of games he's had, we've just seen the best of him. It's, it's kind of weird. We, he's always had that talent and a fair play. Nigel Pearson is getting it out of him. I said to Casey after the game that that was possibly his best game in a Bristol City shirt yet. And mm. he's, he's tweeted, hasn't he, since saying that this is basically um, 
it was his best best week of his life, I think he said. So lovely. Yeah, congratulations to little uh, on the birth of little Zane. Great um, name, Zane. Love that. Yeah, and yeah, just going back to what I was saying before, he, he actually started the game a little bit slowly because there was a great, well, sorry, a dreadful kick out by the um, by Etheridge, and it and it sort of landed straight at his feet, yeah. and he could have played in. I think it was Naki Wells in on goal and he just got the through ball wrong. And I was a little bit surprised because that's sort of his bread and butter, isn't it? Uh, yeah. We would just expect him to make those passes. So I was thinking, okay, maybe if KP's not quite on it today, then they're, they're going to struggle. But I don't know if it was the lack of sleep or or what, because he, he, he said after the game that he only had the Friday training session coming into the match. And Nigel Pearson had said to him, you're playing, you're starting. So I don't know if he was like fired up a little bit after that because he absolutely threw himself into challenges. And I can't remember who it was. I was listening to one of the other players after the game and they were saying that Palmer does like a challenge. He loves mm. to throw himself in. And you don't, maybe some people don't associate that with him. But no, he you does wouldn't. actually. You wouldn't. When you look at the stats, he makes as many tackles as anyone in that Bristol City side. So he is pretty um, important in terms of winning back the ball as well as the creative stuff. So he, he, I, I wrote afterwards that not only did he assist Callum O'Dowder, he assisted himself with that first goal because he obviously won the ball high up the pitch off Raheem Harper. And yeah, it was a great finish, wasn't it? And um, a top display all round. Yeah, really calm. He just seems to have a calmness and an air about him and a determination as well. And for a number 10, you might not expect someone to have that that tackling ratio, like you said. Um, just wondered actually about Narky Wells. Opta had him down on the left. Is that why he played most of the game, would you say? Because we were a little bit critical of Dean Holden for sometimes putting him out there, but how did he fare out there? I know he got booked. Yeah, he did play out there. It was, I'm just trying to think back now, it was, um, because they have been playing 4-1, 4-1. It was more of a 4-2-3-1, wasn't it? Yeah, for this one, it was um, a 4-2-3-1, you're right. And yeah, he played okay out there, but but I don't think it gets the best out of him um, mm. still. And but I do accept that there are going to be times where you can't really afford to play two up front. Um, but it, it will obviously depend. Nigel Pearson has explained before that it depends on who is available match to match, which players they can get in what positions. Stephen Sessegnon has done a pretty good job down <clears throat> down the left-hand side. So I'm sure we will see at some point again, three at the back, but they are missing a lot of centre-backs. Nathan Baker wasn't quite ready to come back for this one, but he's obviously not too far away. Zach Viner couldn't come back in. He'd, him and Adam Nye had, had, had not been passed fit according to the return to play protocols. So, yeah, basically, um, he had a few decisions to make at the back there and obviously went with the four. And, and, and yeah, it's done the trick, to be honest. And, and Bristol City played very, very well. Yeah, and it was great to see the return of Callum O'Dowder. He scored Liam Walsh and Marley Watkins as well. Is he someone we might see feature a bit more, do you think? I think so, because I went down in midweek to Western Superman. and I watched the under-23s and I saw those four guys coming back into the team, the senior players, Liam Walsh, yeah, Nathan Baker. Baker obviously didn't make it for this one, but he can't be too far away. And yeah, Watkins was playing up front for the under-23s and he played that same role when he came off the bench on Saturday. And just judging from Nigel Pearson's reaction, because I was sat right next to him at the Optima Stadium, and also very well, I could see obviously his reaction from the press box at Birmingham. And I can just tell that he's been really appreciative of the role that Watkins has played, just being physical up front, winning free kicks, which he did pretty well when he came off the bench at, 
at the weekend. And 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 yeah, basically, I think there is probably a role for him. Just just quickly, I wanted to mention Han Noah Masengo yeah. because he was man of the match for me at the end of 23's game. Yeah, and I'm really glad. I'm really glad actually to see that he then started the the match. It obviously made an impression on Pearson because he saw fit to start the Frenchman in midfield, and I, I thought he was excellent. He's so energetic. The, the thing about Masengo is he's still just 19 years old. And he has really developed physically. I when I saw him at, at uh, Western, I thought, hold on a second, he he has changed, but um, sort of really physically matured. He's so much more muscular, so much mm. stockier, and really tough to knock off the ball. I think he's gonna he's gonna develop really nicely. People are so quick to write off young players. Yeah, but he is still a teenager, and he's got all this experience. I, th- I think he's. I, I do think he is still a top prospect. Yeah, interesting because he he couldn't get on the pitch the other day. So that was what the other week when there was the injury crisis and all those head injuries. He wasn't turned to instead. Young Sam Pearson was, but he got his his chance. Um, good for him. Yeah, j- j- just on that, I was going to say that there's like a parallel to if you remember when Mick McCarthy came in at Cardiff, and there was some headlines early on that he dropped Harry Wilson. Yeah, and yeah Wilson I, was. I remember. Yeah. Wasn't straight in, and I just think with the size of squads, you just can't play everybody. So some players have got to be a little bit patient, wait their turn. They will get a chance. And I think that's what's happened with Masengo here. It's it's just his chance has come around now, and um, basically you'll be judged on what you do on the pitch. And so far, so good. Yeah, and Nigel Pearson said the most pleasing thing to him. Maybe we should be surprised because he was a defender. Was the clean sheet? Um, but yeah, I mean it's massive. Bristol City haven't had too many of them this season, have they? No, they haven't. This was just their third one on the road. Um, sorry, third one on the road this season. The other two were at Stoke, and I've forgotten temporarily where the other one. Um, sorry, we can't oh, expect Cardiff. you to remember every single result, but it was the November game, Cardiff, wasn't it? Was Cardiff, it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> seven, seven side derby. How could I forget that one? So, <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been due one. That's that's for sure. And I, when we spoke to the manager after the game. There were so many, many positives, but he picked out the clean sheet as being the most important thing because it's it's the, the what the team achieves together. So mm. they definitely need to um, improve defensively if they're going to challenge the top six. We know that they've before this game. I haven't checked since, but before this game, they're the third worst defense in the league in terms of the amount of goals conceded. So they've got lots of work to do on that front. Probably the most work. And it's been a problem over the last couple of years that have just been too leaky in defence. So this is a good start under Nigel Pearson and hopefully he can carry on. Yeah, really good to see a clean sheet. And by um, my judgment, it was the first clean sheet in the league since someone against Preston in the middle of January. So been a while coming that one. Um, there's been a, there was a big thing with Dean Holden about if you want to progress in this league, you have to score more than two goals a game. Well... I, I feel loath to say it because we're both big fans of Dean Holden, but since he he left, um, they've scored three goals in five games, in five of the games. I mean, that's quite impressive, isn't it? Scoring more goals already. Definitely, definitely. Just it's such fine margin of margins in football, but you're right, the attacking has improved. I mean, three goals at Borough, three goals at Swansea, and three goals at Birmingham. It's, it's, it's pretty good going um, on the road. And if you think back, we were just struggling for shots on target. Well, 
hey, Birmingham City didn't even have a shot on target, did they, on, on the weekends? There was nothing for Dan Bentley to do. Armchair ride for, for the goalkeeper in this one. But um, Bristol City have, have been a, a lot better going forward. And I wonder if that's just maybe because they had their confidence knocked earlier in the season and maybe Nigel Pearson has just got them believing again. Yeah, and um, he's certainly getting a tune out of some of the players like Palmer, as, as we've discussed. So, so yeah, positive, positive signs. They, I mean, they've got some tough games coming up. But saying that, I'd probably expect them. We're going to come on to it, obviously, but we'd expect them to get maybe something from the likes of against Rotherham, Stoke at home, Blackburn away. Doesn't look quite so difficult now. No. So, yeah, I, I just, I just wanted them to really turn the corner and and, and start getting some momentum because I don't think. We sort of said this before. I don't think Pearson could sort of lose every game, just get a couple of scratchy draws and a point. Expect to be a point of manager. He, he needed to show a bit more than that, and he and he is doing that. So I think it's just a matter of time, actually, before they probably time up to a new deal. What What do you reckon, Michelle? Do you reckon international break? I'm I'm thinking it might be a good time for that. Yeah, well, that that's very nicely tied into what we're about to come on to, which is is what is happening with with this contract. And I think you could be right about the international break. I put a 10-minute poll up on our Twitter, which is Robins at the Gate. I thought I said it for 10 minutes. I said it for 24 hours. So, you know, if you're listening to this on Monday, you can still vote in this poll. But at the time of recording, and it had been going um, for quite a few minutes, I asked, would you offer a long-term deal now to Nigel Pearson? Now, this isn't scientific because there are many people that have Twitter that, lo and behold, are not Bristol City fans, so anyone can vote on it. But 73% of people saying yes right now, they would give Nigel Pearson a long-term deal. And you, and you can't disagree, really, because, I mean, everything we've been saying the last few weeks in the pod, he, he does pretty much deserve one because I know, what is it, has it been five, one, two, three, four, five games now? Burrow was his first. And okay, they lost to Bournemouth, but it was a better performance than it would have been a week ago before or two weeks before. And the QPR game, I think maybe you can give benefit the doubt, say a bit of an anomaly in, in terms of the head injuries that happened and therefore unable to make more substitutes. But the other three games, you know, absolutely terrific, especially Saturday. Okay, the Swansea one, fortunate, but especially Saturday, really impressive. So, I would be surprised if they weren't looking at it. I don't, I don't even think what happens in the next couple of games, unless it's absolutely dire, would probably affect the board's think, thinking too much, Gregor, because international break coming up, like you say. So they've got a break from the 20th of March till the 2nd of April, till Good Friday. Nearly two weeks, really, to get this tied up. I don't know Nigel Pearson personally, and I'm not sure um, what his approach would be, but I know if it was myself, I would want it sorted sooner rather than later so you can focus on what you want to do on the pitch but would you not think Gregor for him to sign a longer term deal he's going to need some assurances about what he can do in the summer because I think there are parts of the squad which should be challenging for the playoffs next year and that was the goal this year let's not forget but they are going to need to bring in more players they're going to have to spend a bit of money I feel so if you're Nigel Pearson, are you going to the board saying, yes, I'll stay if you can back me in summer? Yeah, sure. I, maybe this is part of the hold-up actually on on getting a new deal agreed because we do know that those conversations are taking place. And 
when we asked Nigel Pearson the other week about if there was any update on this front, he, he basically said there's no news at the moment. But he did admit that there were conversations going on. He said that he has daily contact with Mark Ashton. They're speaking um, maybe more than once a day at times. And he admitted that they had spoken about things such as pre-season um, plans. That's all in the works at the moment. I know that there are some conversations myself going on uh, regarding transfers in the summer because these things you, you you have to sort of have some idea going into um, into the end of season what you're going to do. You just can't make it up on the fly. So, yeah, you, you're right. Those those kind of things will be big, big factors and, and no doubt they're being discussed and hopefully they can find an, an agreement on the, on the way forward. And just on the transfers, I mean, uh, Steve Lansdowne, I keep banging on about this, but it's so promising because Steve Lansdowne did say previously that there is room for manoeuvre on the financial fair play front this coming summer if the new manager sees fit. What, what so, does that mean? That's just been like in layman's terms. Like basically, basically, you, you everybody knows that you have to abide by the, the thirteen million pounds of, of losses allowed each season as a, as according to financial fair play. It's a rolling. Um, analysis of, of a club's losses you can't lose more than 39 million pounds over three years mm-hmm. and Bristol City announced a, a 10 million pound loss in their last accounts unfortunately yeah, but they but they did have a 10 million pound profit the year before which was mostly from around 30 million pounds of sales of players including the likes of Adam Webster and and I think Lloyd Kelly was booked into that year as well so yeah, basically, they, they do have uh, wiggle room for, for spending this summer. So that's all well and good. We, we obviously know there are other things to, to, to sort out before that. And, and contracts is the big thing. I, we, did, we wrote a piece on Liam Walsh, actually, ahead of this game because he came back to play at St Andrews this weekend where he's played more games than at Ashton Gate because he was on loan. He was it's, on loan at... A coffee yeah, he was on yeah, well, no, I was going to say he was on loan at Birmingham. He, he had three games at Birmingham. And then obviously, yes, you're right, he was at Coventry for the season, wasn't he? And and they were at um, St Andrews playing then. So, yeah, but he is still seen as a as someone who's going to be key for Bristol City's future. And he's out of contract in the summer. But our, our understanding is that the club mm. are confident that he will sign a new deal with Bristol City and that he will stay beyond this summer. So there's no doubt that he's going to be a man in demand, Walsh. Clubs will have to factor in that it's been almost a year since he, he started a, a yeah. game. So I, I just think from that point of view as well that he might decide that he's, he's best off staying at Bristol City for, for a bit, even though maybe his former club, Coventry, wouldn't mind taking him back. I but bet. yeah, we're, Their fans we're, love we're, yeah, we expect him to sign a new deal. Obviously, Famara Jeju is the other big one to sort out. No news on that one from what we know, but um, which isn't. Which doesn't sound too good, but but we'll keep an ear out for that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's rumbling on too long for for my liking. I'm afraid that one. Um, injury updates wise, um, Adam Naj and Zach Viner on the concussion protocol couldn't play on Saturday. Will they be available for Blackburn? Because that would have been ten days, won't it? We we don't know for certain on that. We're due to get an update later today, actually, from the club. They're doing um, pre Blackburn press. On Monday afternoon, so we'll probably hear then. I would have, I would have thought so because it wasn't, it was going to be fairly 
close as to whether they could play this coming weekend. And we haven't heard of any complications, but obviously their safety is paramount. So, so yeah, we'll see. I'd have thought a good chance. Yeah, OK. And anyone else likely back this week? I mean, it was such a boost, wasn't it, on Saturday, having those three back? I think, Nathan, as I said, Nathan Baker can't be too far away. He played mm. 65 minutes, the same as O'Dowder and Watkins over in the under-23s game. So the under-23s have a, another game tomorrow, but it's away from home. So, yeah, he'll be one for us to ask on later. But, yeah, fully expect him to, to be back soon. And he'll be a massive boost. Obviously, he hasn't played this season. And that, I just think they could do with another sort of aerial presence at times, especially mm. on set pieces, because they've got, such a terrible record at defending set piece. I think they're still the worst in the league. I think they're so aware of it as well. I think Nigel Pearson is so aware of that. You know, it's 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 something that he'll definitely want to be be working on. So the sooner Baker comes back, the better. But oh, I hate to say it, but I just feel like he's so injury prone. You know, <laughs> I just feel a bit on edge when he's on the pitch. He's such a good player. What, but... Yeah, he's another one of these guys who's out of contract in the summer, along with Jack Hunt, Jamie Patterson. Andy Vyman, as it stands. Although we expect him to to stay for another year because he's got an option year in his contract. But yeah, just with Baker, I just wonder, like many of the guys, is are we going to see some really, really good performances from him between now and the end of the season? Because he might have to prove that he deserves another yeah. contract and, and that might be a real motivation for him. Although he's a very, very good player, you, you, you're going to have to think twice about that one because he's been mm. here a while, but not played for quite a bit of it as well. So that's a, a tricky one for Nathan Baker. But... I think we'd all probably like to see him stay if he can get himself fit. Blackburn on Wednesday evening, a 7.45 kickoff. What a novelty. Um, lost to Brentford on Friday evening. Before that, helped Swansea to a one-all draw. Um, before that, they beat Millwall. For a time this season, they were in the playoff race, but they've dropped off, uh, much like Bristol City did, really. Um, really struggling for form at the moment. One win in the last five um, and then you've got Bristol City with three wins in the last five. So, yeah, we always say these things on paper look look easy, don't they? But um, Bristol City are four points ahead and two points above them in the table. But oh, that Blackburn side have some talent. I, I've actually really enjoyed watching them at times this season. I've done a few Blackburn games. Um, and when they're on song, they're terrific. Um, but um, it's about getting the best out of those players. And I think lately by... All accounts, they've struggled a little bit. Harvey Elliott only came off the bench, the young Liverpool only at the weekend. What are you expecting, Gregor, from, from Blackburn? expect a close game still um, because it, the last few games have been fairly close between the two. I remember if you, it was exactly a year ago, wasn't it, that we had the first game after the, the pandemic had come in and, and, and we had the, the break. Football was paused and then we went up to Blackburn, yeah. didn't we? And... Uh, yeah, it was the first game under Lee Johnson under without fans, and yeah, that seems such a long time ago. But it does, the game, the, the game was pretty close then. Um, obviously, uh, the, what was it? remind me again? What was the match? How did the match go at home against? I think I think Bristol City lost, and uh, against it was before time. Christmas. It's, do you know what? I understand that it's very hard to remember all of these, but it was just before Christmas, and it all blurs into one. Um, but actually, Bristol City won. 1-0 and it was from Arajiju in the 82nd minute. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't right, a great, right. it, it wasn't like the most amazing game, but I do remember thinking if this is a nil-nil, it's not the worst nil-nil I've ever seen because Blackburn created a lot of opportunities in that game from memory. I think we were both mm. there. Um, 
And I remember Bristol City had a fair yeah. few opportunities too. So it, it wasn't a great game, but it wasn't the worst nil-nil. And Jesus snatched it late on. I remember now. And it's when Adam Armstrong had about 20-odd shots, didn't he? That's right, yeah. <laughs> and, and he kept shooting instead of passing, yeah. remember? <laughs> yeah, you're right though. What, what you were saying before, I look at their squad and I think they've got so much talent in there. Why aren't they a bit higher up in the league? Um, especially with the likes of, yeah, as you say, Elliot Armstrong. Um, obviously, the big thing for them after the last game was that they lost Bradley Dack, didn't they, to yeah. what looks like another serious injury. It hasn't been confirmed at all, but there's a, a chance that it's another ACL injury, unfortunately. Um, that's, um, I think it was in his other knee, knee or reports you got when he came off the pitch on the other day. He was out for so yeah. long. Anyway, um, and yeah, that they he's come back, and now they think he might have a second ACL injury. We haven't heard any any more on that, but I think it's safe to say that he won't be playing. Um, but it was interesting yeah. with um, David Rare in the Brentford goal. It's just oh, it's, you know a year of rehabilitating one knee to get exactly the same injury on your other knee. It's just heartbreaking, it's, isn't it? It is. It is that. I mean, they have got other talents. I I really like uh, Niambi, the full the fullback. Yeah, right, yeah. I've been watching him for a few years now. Yeah, Barry Douglas on the other side is a, is an experienced guy at this level. Also, uh, Tyrese Do- uh, Do- Dolan yeah. on um, yeah, young talent coming through. So, yeah, as you as you say, I look at their squad and think they should be higher in the table. And I just wonder as well. Is Tony Mowbray under a bit of pressure? Because I constantly see Blackburn Rovers fans moaning about Mowbray and the, their recent results have not been good. And mm. I, I'm thinking, do, do you think maybe Bristol City could take a second scalp in a week after obviously, I don't think it's been confirmed just yet. But but yeah, I mean, I was in the press conference with Karanka the other day and the, the local journalists were asking him straight out, are you going to resign? And he, he said no chance, but then it's been reported, I think by pretty much everybody that yeah, he's now cool. left the club. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, City take, taking scalps. Well, just on a side note, I don't think managers would ever resign because look at the payoffs they get, you know? Mm. Most managers wouldn't. Um, okay, so that's Blackburn. Um, what about Rotherham? They've had a huge gap. Um, they're meant to be playing Watford on Tuesday evening. We're recording that, bef- recording this before that has happened. But they've had a COVID outbreak. Um, a horrible reminder to us that it's still a massive... Massive threat to sport, football and games being postponed. And as such, they have not played since playing Sheffield Wednesday on the 3rd of March. A bit of a baptism of fire to come back to, isn't it? Watford. Um, and then Bristol City at Ashton Gate on Saturday. Rotherham yeah. have lost a little bit of ground by not playing these games. But they've got so much ground to make up, Gregor. They've only played 32 matches. It's quite mm. incredible. Um, four, the, yeah, four sorry, games go. in hand, isn't it? Four, four games in hand. hand. Yeah, and only one win in the Birmingham. last five, though. Birmingham are above them. But the problem with games in hand is that you have to win them. <laughs> so, yeah, quite incredible. Their season is going to be defined by those games in hand, isn't it? Um, what are you expecting from, from Rotherham? I mean, they're always struggling a little bit down there, aren't they, when in the championship, with respect? Yeah, um, I wonder if if they'll benefit from having this sort of break. But obviously, I'd be very worried if they were going straight into this game because there'd be a little bit of pressure, perhaps. We, I mean, you can't play down the effects of COVID, and and we we did see a really 
laboured performance from Bristol City when they were affected and then they played Derby, if you remember, back in November off the back of their COVID outbreak. So, yeah, maybe Rotherham will have some problems and it'll be interesting to see what kind of side they put out against Watford, how they get on in that. And then, obviously, they're on the road to City. And, yeah, I think I think City will be looking at this game and thinking, we've got to get something. Our home form has, has got to turn at some point after five defeats in a row. In a row. I, I can't see that extending here. I think they'll have a chance of getting something, but maybe it might be a draw. Bristol City's still got the fewest draws in the whole division. It's something that Nigel Pearson has um, mentioned a few times that they just don't, they just either lose or win, and if they could just hang in there in games and pick up a point, it would would really help them in the league. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it will be tough against Rotherham because, I mean, Rotherham really outplayed them up at the New York Stadium back in December. Um, it was re- really was one-way traffic. It was probably one of the worst away performances of the season, actually. And, yeah, they, they've got some players in there that I quite like. I like Crooks in the middle there. Um, and yeah, they, they the front three posed a lot of problems. Um, so yeah, as I said, I think it will be closer. I think it'll be closer the weekend, but, but yeah. I do expect City to probably get something from this game. Yeah, me too. Fingers crossed, and hopefully break the bad form at Ashton Gate. Um, we will have a price boost to you from Mansion Bet on the Blackburn game. I will tweet it from. Robins at the gate, our Twitter account. Just quickly before we go, Gregor, congratulations to Lee Johnson um, winning the Papa John's Trophy with Sunderland. Is that the first silverware he's won as a manager? It is, isn't it? It is, yeah. I, I think this was part of the attraction of going to Sunderland that he could, yeah, get some silverware on on his on his record and, and hopefully a promotion too. And uh, obviously, from when he was at Bristol City, a lot of fans compared him to Steve Cottrell and... and, and his predecessor and obviously Cotswell had that silverware and promotion on on his record and, and I think Lee Johnson sees this as his chance to sort of get something similar and yeah he's done the first leg of it now can he go on and, and, and get Sunderland up they're in a, a good run of form at the moment aren't they they're ha- making a bit of a charge towards the automatic places let alone the playoff places so uh, yeah. Uh, yeah I did I did actually drop Macca and him a line recently because I was trying to find out if Macca was the last Bristol City player to score directly from a corner um, when goal. Casey Palmer did. Yeah, yeah, Olympic goal when Casey Palmer did the the other week at Swansea City. And I think Macca did. I think it was against Sheffield United. So, although he didn't seem to be able to remember quite um, correctly himself. So, uh, but yeah, no, great to see those guys doing well. And I think people forget, but Lee Johnson is a good manager. He's, he's had relative success everywhere yes. he's been. So, uh, yeah, I don't think this is too much of a spike. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well done, Tim, and well done to Sunderland. And our focus next week will be looking back on the Rotherham and Blackburn games as we go into an international break. Wow, it's uh, been a while since I think Greg was not been on the road, so I look forward to joining you then. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Robins at the Gate, proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. 18 plus, be gambler aware. Please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts.